Yeramot, Kaftet Amud Aleph, The Tragedy of Loss, Oyer Al Ishto, a beautiful piece of, of, of learning we have today, where uh, two things. The first thing is we're going to learn about the uh, an idea which we're going to have throughout the Masechta. We've had it already, but we haven't really got into it. An idea that we have throughout the Masechta. It's beautiful because in Yeramot, almost on every daft, there's a new a new concept that we learn. And here it's the idea of Maimah. The, the, the Torah allows the Yovom an option to do it romantically if he so chooses. It's a beautiful idea. Because Yibum is not so romantic. Um, it's kind of automatic. It happens no matter what. It happens whether she wants to or she doesn't want to. It's a, it, it's a very technical kind of a, a process. But there is a romantic option, which is called Maimah. He can propose to her. Uh, and and uh, he can make a beautiful proposal and do whatever he wants. And uh, and interestingly, a proposal in normal life carries very little, if any, halachic weight. It carries weight as an undertaking, and, and as such, it's, an, uh, it, it's, it's a kind of a neder almost. But it doesn't. It's nothing in the kiddushin process. It's, no, it's not part of the marriage at all. Whereas the mimer, in the case of Yibum, this proposal has a great deal of validity, as we're going to see. It actually carries an enormous amount of weight. And according to, to our Tosfus, it's, it's Doraisa. The idea of mimer is actually a Doraisa. And we'll see on, on the Kaftes Hamud Beis, the, the Gemara goes into it, and, and really it, it appears that, you, that the Yobam has an option to, to go the mimer route or to go the, um, the Yibum route. And they're two different different routes. If he goes the Yibum, there's certain halachot. If he goes the Maimer, there's certain halachot. Um, and in so doing, we're also going to get some some valuable insight into the idea of loss. And this is a, a typical of, of what we're trying to do with the Matmonim, and that's to understand the halachic concepts well and probe them. And in understanding the halachic concept, to be able to gain an insight into life that is that is valuable uh, that is valuable to us as well. So. Going back to Daf Yud Tet, the, the Gemara goes into uh, it's a Brisa. What is the case if a person does a proposal without her agreement? So she doesn't say, "Would you marry me?" He says, "You are going to marry me," because this is Yibum. This is not a normal case of a, of a proposal. So he says, "You're going to marry me." What then? And she says, "I don't want to." He says, "Tough. You're going to." Uh, what, what happens then? The Gemara deals with that on back on Daf Yutes. Machlekes Rebbe and Chachomim. Rebbe Omer Kana, Chachomim Omer Loi Kana. This Maimer is actually a Kenyan. The 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 proposal in the case of Yibum actually is is actually a Kenyan. It's 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 very powerful as we're going to see. Um, but does a, does an enforced proposal work for Yibum? It certainly doesn't work in normal life. Even an enforced kiddushin doesn't work. You can't. Drag a woman under the chuppah and say, and she's saying, no, 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 no. Uh, that's not going to work. It, 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 has no, it has no power. It has to be midata, but in the case of Yibum, it doesn't. So what about Maimer in the case of Yibum? Does that have to, does that have to be with her concession, con, concession or not? The said, absolutely. It has to be the concession. The Gemara goes into why do they learn it? So the question is, is Maimer more like Yibum or more like Kiddushin? Because it's somewhere in between. It's not proper yibum. Yibum is when they actually live together physically. Kiddushin is 
a proposal with a with a Kenyan, with a Kenyan Kesef or Shtar, whichever 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 they do, a Kenyan beer, but it's a it's a statement with a Kenyan. Um and and a proposal, if it's Kiddushin, it has to be with her will. And if it's like Yibum, not. So you see that Maimir is somewhere in between Kiddushin and Yibum, and Rebbe tilts it towards Yibum, and the Chachomim tilts it towards Kiddushin. But it sits somewhere there. So now let's go to our, our uh, Mishnah. Uh, firstly, f- further on in our Gemara is what I mentioned to you. This whole Gemara, it's interestingly enough, goes according to according to Beis Shammai. Somebody mentioned to me the other day that on, on an earlier Masech, that if, if we had the Halacha, we'd be like Beis Shammai, we would, a whole lot of Gemara, the pages of Gemara would be excluded because it's uh, we Paskin like Beis But here you see that's not so, not, not so. Although we Paskin like Beis this entire daf is all working it out according to Beit Shammai, which shows you that when we're told that you've, whenever you learn it should be in order to, to, to know what to do, it doesn't mean to know the dinim. That's not what Limud Torah is. To know the dinim, you look up in the, in the Mishnah Brewer if you want to know the dinim. That's not, not what Limud Torah is. If Limud Almanat Lasot meant that, meant you need to know what to do, why would the Gemara spend an entire page? And I don't think of a daf in terms of a daf yomi. In normal learning, a daft takes a week, uh, not, not a day. Why would you spend a week trying to understand a Beishamai, which is not Lalocha? Why well, just skip over it? Uh, so you see from the fact that we go to such a degree is that the Lilman Amanat Lasut means extract principles from every piece of Torah you learn that you can live by. That's what Lilman Amanat Lasut means. It's wrong to think that Lilman Amanat Lasut means you're going to learn the halachas. That's a separate limit. You've got a Yediyat Torah, you've got to know the halachot. Men have to know the halachot, women have to know the halachot, everybody has to know the halachot. That's a separate thing, that's not limud Torah. Lilmud almanat lasot means even when you're learning something that is not halachically actual. And the whole of Yavamot is hardly halachically actual. All of Kochim nowadays is hardly halachically actual. So what does Lilmud Amnat Lasot means? It means that everything you learn, be sure to extract a principle that you can apply. That's the source of the Matmonim. That's why we have the Matmonim, because I believe people aren't doing that. People have bifurcated their learning. They learn the Halachot, and they learn the Gemara. And then they check off, I did my daf, and I learned some Mishnah Brura, and I'm good. But you haven't done Limud Torah. Limud Torah is to go into the halachot so that from the halachot you can extract the principle of life that you can live by. That's what Limud Torah is. So, so here, we, here we see that the whole Gemara goes and it's all learning Beit Shammah because we'll learn things from Beit Shammah. Uh, and it's on the Kaftes, the Gemara comes to the idea that, this, that Maimur is a separate route that you can take and that when you do that, Paracha Mimenu Zikat Yevamim V'chala Alei Azikat Erusin. There's a view in the Gemara which just gives you an idea of the of the lens through which the Gemara is looking at it. That if a man chooses to do the Maimur route, then the whole Zika concept is removed from him and is now on a different channel. He's now operating in a different process. Now let's get to our Mishnah Dav Chavtes Amudalif. Here we have a case. There are three brothers. Two of them are married to two sisters, and one is a bachelor. Important, note that notice that the one is a bachelor. Mate Echad one of these of the married brothers dies. Vaasabo Mufne Maimer. And the and, and the bachelor does Maimer. He proposes to the widow of his deceased brother. Now the second one dies. 
בית שמאי אומרים, here we have an important מחלוקת בשמיים בסילו, בית שמאי אומרים, אשתו אימו, he's got a wife. Look at the power of that. What is, what is Beisham I say? He just did Maimer. He just did a proposal. Ah, says Rashi. Look at, uh, look at uh, it says Beisham I, look at Rashi. The Ma'amar Kiknusa Damya. According to Beisham I, when you've proposed to a Yevama, she is married to you. Kiknusa Damya. And therefore, she stays with you, says Beisham Now the second one becomes a Yevama for you, but you're already married to the first one. So nothing, she doesn't, there's no zika, nothing happens. She can't, nothing, nothing can happen. That's the end of the story. You're left with the first wife and everybody's happy. And the second one can go and marry somebody else. Uveit Hillel Omrim, Beit Hillel says, Beit Hillel doesn't hold that, that this Maimer um, is as powerful as a, as, a, as a marriage. And therefore, they both have zika to him. They both are connected to him now. This is back to yesterday's Gemara. Motziet ishto beget, his wife, yeah, she is a kind of a wife already because there's been a maimer. So he's going to give her a get uve chalitza. And he's going to give her chalitza because she's kind of in between. So she's, he's going to give her a get and chalitza. Ve'eshet achiv bechalitza. And he has to give chalitza to the, to the second Yevama, the, the widow of the second brother. Zui she'omru. And this is an example of when they say, oilo al ishto. He loses his wife and he loses his brother's wife. And he's left with nothing, says the, says the Gemara. So that's Beisilo. So, the, and the Shukhanoruch Paskins, if you look at the Shukhanoruch, uh, if he did a maimer with the first wife, and then the sister becomes available as a Yevama, Yotzi ba'alat ha'mamar beget v'chalitza v'achrona b'chalitza. Then he's got to, the first one has to go with, with get and chalitza, and the second one with chalitza, and he's got nothing. And the Be'er Agola references our Gemara and says, uh, According to Beit Hillel, it's not that the first one is a full marriage, and therefore the second one is nothing, but he's already married. The, what we're talking about here, and already married to, his, to the sister of the, of the second one, uh, as we discussed uh, two, two days ago. The fact that he's already married, whether the Chayim Rabbi Negeshim applies or not, but certainly at that time it wasn't an issue. But he's married to her sister. If he's married to her sister, already proper marriage, then she falls by the way. There's no Yibum, there's no Chalitza, that's Beishama. But, but Beishilil says, well, he's kind of married to his sister, not fully married to his sister. And therefore, therefore he needs um, Chalitza from both of them and a get from the one that is his wife, and he's left with nothing at all. Tosva says, on this phrase of oil or ishto, Tosfos goes through an interesting analysis when we do say oil or ishto and when we don't. There are lots of cases on, on the, there's a, the a Mishnah and Davkuf Yudbeis, the first Mishnah of the Perik, where it's a long Mishnah of all sorts of cases, and some of them are where he loses both of them, um, the, and, and various other cases that Tosfos looks at. But what Tosfos says over here is, the oilo mashma loshen tsar. Oi is really a loshen tsar. You know, we say oi very, very easily. And uh, it, it's quite interesting to me how the range of tragedy, the, there's such a spectrum of tragedy, you know, to, um, I don't know, to a young American girl, if her hair clip falls out of her hair before a date, that's a tragedy. She's put so much effort into her hair and her hair, that's a tragedy. But if you're a refugee in the Ukraine, that's not a tragedy. 
It's a different kind of thing as a tragedy. Um, and people who live in Eretz Yisrael, where we're living with, with tragedies and potential tragedies every day, it's a different level of, of tragedy to somebody who's lived a protected life all their lives. And for them, tragedy is a little inconvenience becomes, an, oh, you give out, this is terrible, you know. Uh, how many times do you find o OMG on, on social media? Oh, my goodness, oh. Terrible thing has happened. What happened? No, nothing. It's, uh, it's where you are on the spectrum of tragedy depends on your experience of, of tragedy. Tursus defines when you should use the word oi. Under what circumstances do you use the word oi? We use the word oi on Tishabov in the Kinos. When can you say oi? The Mishnah here is using the word oi. Under what circumstances can you say oi? And, and Tursus and the Tursus go very deeply. A lot of people quote them, but don't fully understand the depth of what this is saying. Tursus says, if, if, if you'll just take a moment before we even do the Tursus and think in your mind of the things you fear most. Think in your mind. What, what, is, what are your biggest fears? Think of one or two of the biggest tears in your, in your life. And, and I would be sure that almost all of you will discover that what you fear is losing something you've got. Life, dear ones, money, position, status, health. It's losing something that you've got. That's what we fear. That's, it's interesting. All our fears, virtually all our fears boil down to the fear of loss. Because loss is terrible. Even when you lose your keys or you lose a pen, it's frustration. It's frustrating. And it bothers you. But to lose something serious, how much more frustrating is that? Loss is terrible. Since we lost Ganadin, in the human DNA, there is a terrible fear of loss. We don't ever want to feel that again. To have something and lose it. Says Tosvis, It's valid to be mitzvah. The idea of ra'uilo lehitzah. Tosvis says sometimes people say oi and they have no right to say oi, and you should call people on that. If a child or somebody you know, oi gavald, what's happened? Uh, my dog ran out. That's not an oi. That's not a tragedy. That's a little bit of a thing. You sort it out. It's not a tragedy. Don't, it, it's so wrong to call that tragedy, ra'uilo. But here, ra'uilo, it's okay to use the word oi. Shehivsid ishto below pshiato. Because he lost his wife through no fault of his own. That's ta. When you experience loss through no carelessness, through no fault of your own, through no choice that you made, that's oi, that's ta. Says the Tzvish Yishonim, and that's why it says he's a bachelor. That when he loses these two, he loses his wife and his potential wife, he's left with nothing. And the Achronim asks, but he's left with nothing. He didn't have anything before either. What's so bad? He's not, not any worse than he was before. They miss the point of the Tosvis Yishonim. What the Tosvis Yishonim is, is taking Tosvis and the Tosvis Yishonim, we don't know exactly who the Tosvis Yishonim is. The Tosvis on, on Yevomis is, is mainly based on, on the uh, Tosvis Shantz, which is the Rash. On Mishnah, we have the Rush. The Tosvis Shantz was the big Talmud of Ri. So you've got, you've got Rabbeinu Tam. After Rashi, you've got Rabbeinu Tam, the powerhouse of Tosvis. Ri, his nephew, next powerhouse of Tosvis. The Rabbeinu Shimshon, Tosvis Shantz, is the third powerhouse of Tosvis. And most of Tosvis and Yevomis is based on Tosvis Shantz. Um, the, the Tosfus Yishonim or other Baalei Tosfus comments from, uh, from other Baalei Tosfus is before then. Most of them from the house of Ri. That's where, where the Tosfus of Yevomis generally stem from, from Ri. Tosfus Shantz was, was the biggest Talmud of, of Ri. And the Tosfus Yishonim says that's why they say it's a bachelor because to lose something where, where you're left with nothing, it's not, if, if he would have had a wife, 
and now you could have had a second wife and he loses, but you've still got something. It's when you lose something and you're left with nothing. And the important part of, of the loss is that it's not just that you're back to where you were. Well, you're back to where you were and where you were is with nothing at all. That's what, that's what it is. So even though you once had nothing, Otherwise, there would be no loss at all. If you say, well, the fact is, you before Adi didn't have a wife at all, then you don't understand loss. In every case, you lose your pen, that little loss that I gave you, that little example. There was a time when you didn't have a pen. That doesn't make the loss easier. God forbid a person loses a child. Okay, it was a time when you didn't have a child. Doesn't make the loss easier. The important thing is you had it and you lost it. That's what Tosfus Yashonim is teaching us in the, taking the Tosfus a level deep, more deeply. There's a time, there's a concept of ra'uy l'tzar. There's a time when it's fitting to say oi, and there's a time when it's not fitting to say oi. When is it fitting to say oi? When through no fault of your own and no choice of yours, you suffered the loss of something you had. Even if you had it very briefly, he just had mimer. He hasn't even lived with this woman. But he had a moment of mimer. He had that moment of joy of being able to be with this, with this woman. And that's taken away from him through no fault of his own. And yes, he's back where he was. Says so, 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 that doesn't matter that you're back where you were. The fact is now you've got nothing. And before, you, before this, you had something. When you had something and you lose the something that you've had, that experience of loss is oi. What's happened to me? What, what is this? And something that we need to uh, understand. Two days ago, we talked about the importance of learning from, from sorrow, from when one has a negative experience, to be able to learn from that. Usually that's in the case where you've made some choice that led to the tsar. But here, this oi, you say oi when there's no, this wasn't me at all. There's nothing. I did the mitzvah. I did what I was supposed to do. It can happen. Sometimes you do what you're supposed to do, and there's also tzai, there's also loss, there's opportunity to grow from it. But there you can say, oh, yeah, that's, that's legitimate tragedy.